I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. Okay. Well, tonight we have uh, a craft that was quite involved, but yet zen-like and easy um, and enjoyable. It is a... Hi, Ryan Sellers. For those of you listening, we do do like the first chunk of this on Facebook Live. So if you hear us saying hello to random people, they're not really in the room. They're just watching. I feel like Ryan's in the room. Okay, um, let me get the box of this thing. Okay. Hope everyone's doing well. Have an exciting little podcast tonight. This is a weaving loom. And with this, you are to make... um, colorful pot holders so we tried one it is rainbow for those not able to see hello alicia gamble hello ryan sellers hello i could be in vaccinated says ryan sellers okay um soon soon this is this is a, a rainbow pot holder that we well, made. wait, wait, wait. It's, yeah, it's a pot holder, but it's also an earring. Um, it, yeah. It could be a little napkin. Uh, just had to play hat I hat. had that as a kid. You probably made things better than we did. Um, it, it could be a hat. Could be. Chapeau. Yeah. Um, so we're currently, we've got another one lined up, and we're we're thinking about what colors can go crosswise. What colors should I put on this to go the other way? More, more blue and white. Hi, Michael Barron. I'm thinking that orange would look good with the blue and white. Okay. So, I'm not going to do that now. Okay. Well, um, there it goes. But what you do is, you weave this through the other way. And then you pull the other color through, and then, I don't know, I think then weaving loom might ship you some weaving loom <laughs> hats. Oh. Nope. I don't know who needs that many potholders. That's why I'm saying that it's not just a potholder. I'm not going to use this for a pot. I'm going to use this as, you know what, I'm going to take these to the parade when parades come. And if it rains, what parade? if the parade comes by and it's rained, I'm going to use that to dry my seat before I get my butt wet. Hi, Barbara Bear. Hi, Barbara. Oh, look, Barbara, this is Steven's. This is my on-air t-shirt. On-air t-shirt. You were curious about. It is gray and navy blue. It has this on-air uh, photo logo thing that I made up on it. Yes, so, so this is it. Yeah, we will talk about that later. Blue, gray, on air. That's right. Um, yes, so we talked about to cook. Last night we talked about cookies because we got cookies mailed to us. And then we had this weaving loom mailed to us as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It was a challenge because I made this last night and then somehow I, I messed up the, the final product because it's... It's got two little hooky things on the end. And I think it's supposed to just have one. Although I'm not a loom expert. But I think I messed it up. And oh, Alicia says they'd make good art pieces on your wall, perhaps. There's so much stuff on our wall. I don't think we need potholders, too. Maybe you should clean up the wall. What? Maybe there's too much stuff on the wall. And that's my fault. Nope. I'm agreeing with the guest tonight. Alicia Gamble, is it? She thinks... Gamble, she's. It? 
She thinks that this house might be a mess, and I think we need to clean it up. First of all, why is there an egg tree still up a week after Christmas, Easter? Why is there a tree up? A chandelier, maybe. Perhaps a chandelier. Yes, Alicia. Yeah, this, this. I want to swing on a weaving loom, a weaving loom. Um, so our guests tonight are Jenna Ballard and Kevin Boyce. Yes. They both work at NASA. Yep. They both, uh, produced our Night of the Living Dead at Kensington Arts Theater. True. And, and they are on the board of Faction of Fools Theater. And they have a web series, uh, Dr. Dewar and Peach. Um, which I think won an award. What? Kevin? There's Kevin on the on the FaceTime. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if I could find a way to bring if if are you recording on when we record with you, Kevin, are you the audio is going through your phone, correct? If so, I wonder if Jenna could video join and put her sound down and we could see you and talk to you. A grand experiment, perhaps? Maybe? We would be on the bottom and they would be on top. Or vice versa. Yeah. I don't know. What's you know what, kids? What is next? What is next? When I was growing up, no, through a separate computer. computer. So this phone, you could be pulled into this by video. Correct, Kevin? Might be worth a try. Well, this is. Am I reading what everyone else sees? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna stop reading. They, they have to ask me brought in. Oh, so you have to request, Kevin, to be brought in. I think it says, like, request to be seen on Facebook Live. And don't forget, Russia's listening. Um, okay. Uh, so let's see. I don't know how, but it should work somehow. Okay, we're going to stop this right now. Yeah, there's the audio part. Because we're going to go, we're going to stay live. Yeah. We're going to stop the podcast because... I don't know, it's like an A, B, C thing. And we're getting ready to go into B. And so we're getting ready to see our way out. We'll be right back. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, we're here with Jenna Ballard and Kevin Boyce, our dear friends, who uh, have many a dot, dot, dot to their names. <laughs> many, many commas. Many commas on the resume. They both... Uh, I like people with commas. I do, too. They both work at NASA. Um, Kevin is a systems engineer, correct? That's right. I got all this off the Google, so it's got to be true. <laughs> and Jenna is a project support specialist. Yes. And so, Jenna, I know what you do because it said that you help the astrophysics division uh, run smoothly by creating travel orders, planning meetings, and formatting proposals, among other things. Wow, yeah. Kevin, systems engineer kind of says to me that you engineer systems. That's, that's absolutely right. Every, every um, everything everything we put up there is is a system uh, made up of pieces, and everybody can build the pieces just fine. But if they don't work when they fit together, 
then you got a problem. And so that's what systems engineers do. Make sure it all w- works together. So is that like in computer land when they say things aren't talking? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And 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 there's more and more software on spacecraft now. So there's a certain amount of, of that going on as well. Matt still believes there's a place called computer land, P.S. <laughs> um, it's, it's called Silicon Valley. Um, so you guys also... Uh, do you produce the Dr. Dewar and Peach.com? Well, it was a web series um, mm-hmm. we helped to produce, yes. Uh, Dr. Dewar and Peach is a, a performing duo um, made up of Toby Mulford and Rachel Spicknell Mulford, who are a married couple. And they write music and perform music, and they had been doing that for years. And uh, a few years ago, they came up with this idea. They wanted to film something. And so they brought in a cinematographer and then they brought us in to help produce and they were going to film the thing in their basement. And we went to our first production meeting at their house and we trooped down to their basement and it was like the size of, you know, our bathroom. <laughs> I thought this is just not going to happen. I just don't understand how this can even possibly happen. And we had just finished building our brand new house, which has a great big giant basement with nine foot ceilings that was currently effectively empty because we had literally just moved in so we said how about how about we film this thing in our house uh it's got more space and higher ceilings i think would help and they were all like oh please really we could do that really all the time we're thinking is it is it polite to to say hey can we do it at our house so we don't have to do any traveling or anything (laughs) and uh, and they they were hoping we would ask for that so well, it's location, 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 That's right? right. Yeah. It, was, it was super now, fun. So Dr. Dewar and Peach. Um, now, Dr. Dewar is an ethno-crypto-zoo-musicologist. Ethno-crypto-zoo-musicologist. He interviews monsters and then writes songs to tell their stories. And Peach helps. And Peach, Peach helps. helps. <laughs> you have to say it like that with kind of a pained em- emphasis on the helps because Peach doesn't. I've learned a lot about comedy working with them. Yes. So it's it's classified as like a horror comedy musical clown duo. <laughs> sure, yes. Uh-huh. I'm That's not it. sure there's um, a whole lot of horror. It's really just comedy. Yeah. It, it is comedy, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's the, the bigger genre of like almost making fun of like the old kind of horror. Uh, yeah, but, but, we, but from a place of, of love too. Of love, we, absolutely we... of love. Um, so, so friends, when you're doing this in your basement for anyone out there that wants to be like you, what is the laundry list of things that you have to have that are either plugged in or plugged into something else to support like all of the, and, and do you like one randomly do a shot of something and say, okay, we need to go buy this to make this happen. Sometimes. Not, yeah, not too often. I think if you wanted, if somebody wants to do that, the most important thing is to not have done it before so that you have no idea how much work it's going to be. Because um, <laughs> I'm not sure what, we'll ever do it again. That's what we did. Uh, we, the, I mean, all of us, so there were, there ended up being six producers, including Dr. Dewar and Peach and us two, and one of the other actors in the, the show cinematographer. and the cinematographer and and no director and 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 no director it was it was very it was all sort of devised and 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 you know uh very uh uh equalitarian or something uh, uh but but we didn't really know i mean some of us had done a small amount of film work before 
but not really a whole production like this. And I've done, you know, stage lighting, but I'd never really lit for video before. And um, though, so it was a huge learning process for all of us. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot of work. Um, but yeah, we had to, we had to, there was all kinds of stuff. I mean, like the first thing I did knowing a little something about sound was like, okay, this is a concrete basement. It's just very, very echoey. So I took uh, a bunch of um, sound panels, basically and screwed them to the ceiling. Uh, and that helped enough. Hey, do y'all mind if I, if I personally go back to Facebook live again? Go ahead. Um, Barbara Bear has just sent me a message. <laughs> <laughs> but how is, okay, so that works just like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'll just go live. And, and that way, maybe a few people, even like Carissa, might want to have a, a, ask a question or two. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that series actually won an award? Uh, at a... At a, at a web a web festival, a they festival, have they have yeah. festivals for web series. There there are a surprising number of such festivals, um, and yeah, they've won a couple of awards. Yeah, they've won a few awards. Um, well, that's exciting. It was it was really fun. Well, especially after you put in all the work, it's got to feel like, you know, okay, that was worth it. Yeah. But were they already these characters before they moved into the basement? Yes, yes. Yeah, Doctor they... Dewar and Peach have been performing together for many years. Uh, and then so would... developing the web series, they came up with kind of a loose idea of the the through arc uh, and then wanted to have guest characters for several of the episodes. And so there are, there are a total of six episodes. And the first one really is just Dr. Dewar and Peach. And then one character just kind of poofs into existence at the very last moment. And then the next three episodes have guest performers and then the last two have the same two guest well, performers. Ma Matthew comes in on five mainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So and after um is there another series happening in your basement again or after this? No. We don't we don't no. have any plans to it. I think it, it at at some point it, it becomes obvious that that everything's being shot on the, the same tiny set. Um, and I think, I think, you know, six episodes is probably pretty good. As long um, as you can stay in one tiny but set. It's, it's like, you know, they, in TV, they talk about the bottle episode when they run out of money for a season and they do one, one, uh, an episode that's all shot in, in the same small standard set that they do everything in. Um, and this was like the bottle season. The whole, whole thing was just in one spot. We didn't want to go outside because oh. sound is hard outside and um, conditions get hard outside. Wind, you know, rain, whatever. So lighting. Jenna, I'm going to start with you. And then, then after Jenna, Kevin, you can answer this question for both of you. I'm always very fascinated with people's just, I don't want to say artistic journey, but let's just say their creative uh, journey of, you know, how, um, either college or whatever influenced you to get, not necessarily where you are, but uh, tell us about your journey. Uh, Jenna, where are you from? Where did you go to school? What is all the things that's led you to theater, webisodes, and NASA and all things Maryland? I grew up in Indiana, Pennsylvania, not far from where Stephen grew up. Uh, and I went to college there as well at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And I actually studied music education 
and moved down here to Maryland to take a teaching job. I taught beginning instrumental music fifth and sixth grade for four years in Prince George's County. And while I love teaching, uh, I can't deal with the mess the school systems are in. I'm a fixer. I'm the kind of person who needs to to like take on a problem and, and this isn't working and we need to fix it. And I couldn't fix the entire Prince George's County public school system. So after four years, I thought I just can't beat my head against this wall the rest of my life. So I left teaching and I thought, well, I'm not really qualified to do anything else. I'm not trained to do anything else. Um, I like stage managing. I'm pretty good at stage managing. I just don't think I want to do it for a living. I don't want to have to stage manage once upon a mattress to pay my rent. I want theater to be fun, not my job. So I thought, well, I could be an office manager. That's like stage managing an office. So I fudged up a resume that made it look like I might have some qualifications for office managing and managed to get lucky and uh, have kind of worked my way up to uh, working at NASA, which is not at all connected to my theater life at all. Um, the second part of that question uh, about theater is that's all my dad. Um, my father was very much into theater and music. He was actually a trained opera singer, although he never performed uh, as an opera singer. And he got me into theater, got me interested in being involved. And I started working on the college's music department productions when I was 10. And it went from there. So do you have a, do you have a primary instrument or are you, or, or not? Well, no. flute was my main instrument. Um, I was a flute. I fl studied flute primarily. Um, but when you're an instrument, when you're studying to be a music teacher, you have to take, you have to learn how to play all the instruments to some degree. So I learned, I was pretty proficient at, at most of the wind instruments. I could make acceptable noises on the brass instruments I no longer have a trumpet anymore because Stephen has it now. Right, Stephen? I do. I sold you my I trumpet do. for a tie iced tea. Yes. <laughs> a sentence no one will say ever. <laughs> a what? A tie iced tea. I didn't know what it was either. Mm. That's, a, that's another it's story. A great, that it's was... a great story, but yes. that's So I, I kind of don't really... I was actually... we have, One of the things we've been doing in the pandemic is watching the Muppet Show now that it's on Disney. And just last night, I think last night, the episode um, featuring Jean-Pierre Rompal, who was a flute player, was on The Muppets. And I sat and listened to him play and I thought, I wonder if I can even still play. I don't think I've played my flute in 15 years, maybe. Something like that. I mean, you played it in the, in the Rebels. Rebels. I think that was the last time I've ever yeah. played. And could you? I don't know, I haven't tried. It's right. There. Oh, you haven't. That's see. It, this was just last night that I was having this thought. I, it's right. Go get it's it right now. We'll see. Right there. <laughs> there it is. Go, on. Go get right it. Right in front it's of right us. in front of us because we're, we're in, in the band oh, room. Come in the on. This, <laughs> this is this is about uh, you know uncomfortability is good. But now so, Kevin can answer the question while I get my flute. Oh, out. there we go. Absolutely. It's like we planned it that way. So Kevin, uh, while she's getting ready, um, <laughs> it's like we planned it that way. While she's getting ready, can you kind of speak to your, I mean, you do sound engineering, uh, you do light engineering, um, but you also work for NASA. What is what is the journey for you? Well, let's see. Um, the, I started out, I mean, in high school, I was a, a, a theater nerd, mostly from the tech 
part. I was in a couple of shows um, where I would stand as close as possible to my friend who was also in the chorus so that I could just make sure I sang the same notes as him. Um, and mostly I was, uh, I just like to do the backstage stuff. And then that sort of, I didn't, I did some of that in college. Um, mostly what I did in college uh, outside of uh, the, the actual stuff you're supposed to do in college was work at the radio station. So I, I got a pretty good background just kind of picking it up for sound and electronics and stuff. And the the cool thing about it was, it was our station was a commercial station. And the year before I got there, uh, a couple of guys got there who wanted to do sales. And they were just like insanely good. And the, the budget for the station went from $30,000 a year to $150,000 a year. And we were just swimming in money. And so it was like, oh, we need a new cart machine. We need a new mixing board. We need new turntables. We had turntables back in those days. Um, and, <laughs> you know, so I got to install all this stuff and hook it up and learn how it all worked. Um, so that that's kind of where I got my main uh, audio tech stuff from. Um, and then I kind of didn't, I, I drifted away from it. Um, and then after I got divorced in 2000, uh, one of the things I started doing is, is Goddard has a, um, a, a music and drama club. Um, that's a, it's a very participation oriented. Anybody can sort of join in. And so I did a number of shows there, uh, and it was sort of, um, it was too participation oriented after a while. I feel like I'm. Uh, some of some of the shows that they did were were very very good some were not as good and for me the amount of work i put in was the same for both and so i wanted to do some stuff where where i could uh have a little bit more confidence that the end result would be um well provided with everybody so i moved on from that um but then just sort of mostly been picking things up um on my own and, and learning about stuff I mean, you know, everything I know about cinematography, for instance, comes from watching the the um, commentary track on the Buffy DVDs. <laughs> uh, and then and, learned and, a huge amount doing this web series and just trying stuff and, and seeing what it looks like and, and um, putting stuff together. And you, you went to school clearly to, to work for a place like NASA. Um, yeah, I mean... I, I, my school uh, was sort of a, a different um, path. I, my, I got a degree in physics um, and then I worked for a little while at a small company and then I uh, went back to grad school and got a PhD also in physics. Um, but uh, the way I describe myself is an engineer who was raised by a family of scientists. So what I really like to do is build stuff. So I sort of moved over into the engineering side um, and one of the jobs of systems engineer, the way I've heard it described, is uh, to be a translator between the scientists and the engineers. So the scientists want to get some data and they want it to be as good as possible. And they're always pushing for, you know, better quality data. And the engineers are like, we have to actually build this stuff, you know, and we only have a limited amount of time and money to do it. And there's there's sort of a different language there. So that actually has served me very well in the systems engineering world to have the sort of the engineering background and the 
the scientific background. Okay, we're going to get back to NASA because you know I'm fascinated. Um, it's, has she uh, systems engineered that flute back together yet? She has. She's trying to find some, some okay. decent song to play. This is this is this is a safe space, Jenna. Also, we're making history. Yes. I love history. <laughs> That's a line from the web series. I love history. Uh, I just don't even know. I've got a like a tin whistle book that I found in my piano bench. <laughs> Listen, we are listening to Jenna Ballard discover if she can play the flute after fifteen years of not. No, no, no. There is no if. I can I it's... can still make noise. Doctor, doctor, will I be able to play the flute after I heal? I found Yankee Doodle and now I've lost it again. That, that's very symbolic. While you're, while you're looking, let me let me just uh, say a little bit more of a plug about the web series, which is that if it sounds like it's terrible because we didn't know what we were doing, um, it, it actually involves some some pretty reasonably well-known actors from the DC area who have you know done things with Faction of Fools and uh, which we need to all to. kinds of other uh, places around here um, and. And it, it turned out, I think, quite well. Yeah, I'm super proud of the web series. I can't, I can't believe we made it. It, it, it looks fantastic. You, I would have never have thought that you just went downstairs in your basement and did that. It looks, it looks spacious, and it, and it, it's great quality. The lighting, the sound. I mean, it looks amazing. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's, All right, here we go. Okay. Okay. Oh wow. <laughs> Wow. That's fantastic. It's all coming back. I probably cannot play my trumpet anymore. I can't tell you the last time I played that either. So Yeah, applause. man, you lose the chops, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I haven't tried. I don't know. Well, I certainly lost mine. <laughs> Ombusher? More so, like off-busher. Off-busher, yeah. Off-busher. Oh, I thought it was beautiful. You. I thought it was I thought you were very brave. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so you're both on the board of Faction of yes. Fools, right? So that's Faction of Fools Theater Company. You can find them at factionoffools.org. Right. Um, tell us about that troupe. It's the only uh, Commedia dell'arte troupe in the D.C. area, correct? They were founded in 2009. I actually prepared some notes. Prepare, uh, they were um, founded in 2009 by an amazing Commedia actor named Matthew Wilson. Uh, and several other um, comedia actors in the area, uh, one of which I think one of the founding um, company members was Toby Mulford, who plays Dr. Dewar. Um, and they do amazing things that are unexpected for Commedia dell'arte. If, if anybody doesn't know, Commedia dell'arte was one of the original forms of uh, performing theater. They use masks. Uh, and kind of stock characters, the the lovers and the old um, money grubbing uh, miser and the boasting braggart uh, soldier and um, you know servants who are are put upon all the time and that sort of thing. Known as Zani, Zani, yes. which from which we get the word zany. Yes. Interesting. And, um, so 
uh, Commedia dell'arte developed in Italy um, back, you know, ages ago, and back when Italy was a bunch of little tiny city states, and every region kind of had its own dialect. And so Commedia was developed to not necessarily rely so much on language, uh, but it relies more on standard tropes and um, big motions and um, yeah, a lot of physicality, like a lot of physicality, so that you don't need the language because they could then they could travel around um, from town to town and not have to worry about speaking the same dialect or the same language. I never knew that. It's fascinating. Uh, Faction partnered for many years with Gallaudet University, uh, which was an amazing marriage of of um, groups because we were able to incorporate um, deaf actors into the performances and have a language barrier that we had to work around. And it was really it allowed for some really fascinating discoveries in in the performances like for example they did um, a christmas carol uh, a really gorgeous lush production of christmas carol with um scrooge being the you know the old money grubbing man which is a stock character in in uh, commedia but tiny tim was played by a deaf actor and so he was not able to speak to Scrooge. So when it came to the end, the big culmination of God bless us everyone, Tiny Tim actually had to teach Scrooge how to say that because he had to show him the sign language. Oh, that's so it was beautiful. This profound, you know, moment of connection. Yeah, connection was, at the was, end that was so yeah. beautiful. That's gorgeous. Yeah, but they've done um, Titus Andronicus which is the Shakespeare where everybody gets cut up and mutilated and, and tongues cut out and things like that. And they um, did it in uh, all white set and in all white costumes and blood oh. everywhere. It was oh, wow. an amazing, amazing production. Um, they did Romeo and Juliet with five actors, the whole story. I mean, they, they kind of truncated the script, but pretty much all the characters appear yeah but there are only five actors in the company. And toward the end when people are dying and like there was a moment when somebody was dead and you know, everybody was standing around lamenting that the person was dead. And then they were like, get the, get the, whatever the, the prince, the or prince something. or something, right. You know, whatever. And you know, call for the prince and everybody kind of like looked around at each other, like, Hmm, all five of us are on stage. <laughs> And so one of them ran off stage and came back with a life-sized stuffed body and threw it down on the floor beside the dead actor. And the dead actor jumped up and ran off the stage and then came back on as the prince. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's hysterical. Oh, gosh. And and I guess, how, how has that company kind of uh, evolved during, pivoted during COVID? Well, it was already sort of in a, a transition, uh, transition period. period. Um, and so at this point now, there's there's a new um, pair of artistic directors, co-artistic co directors, um, one of whom what is, is in, in the, the web, web series. series. Um, and uh, just starting to get going again on, on um, what's going to be happening. They did a thing called Foolish Fridays, which was some videos um, and we are starting that up. We uh, 
to uh, Monday, there's the first production meeting. Um, uh, may not be a production meeting. Anyway, first meeting uh, of trying Creative to uh, really getting going on on the second season of this Foolish Fridays, which is just going to be a bunch of short, um, like three minute videos uh, coming out every Friday. Uh, for I think it's probably going to be three sets of three, so nine weeks total. Um, and we have no idea what it's going to be or what it's about, um, but it's going to be uh, comedia and uh, tight and well produced and uh, <laughs> carefully edited. I'm signed up to edit the video. Um, they have company members, and I don't know how many. I should have looked that up, but we have half uh, a dozen, maybe or so. Um, uh, comedia actors in the area who are formal company members and so those folks are being tapped to create little videos and a couple of them are in couples that are both involved so actually one of the co-artistic directors Francesca uh, Chelcote is married to uh, another actor who works with the comedia group as well so the two of them can do a video together uh, so there's going to be, yeah, a little series of videos coming out soon. That's awesome. Um, you guys have worked in the past. Well, Jenna, you're the awards production coordinator for the yes. Watch Awards, yes. correct? That's another board that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're yes. quite busy. Yeah. Give it again. Give it. She's the awards production coordinator. So you you coordinate for like every event and every yeah. gala the it's, awards and, and, and it's put every... one one the award ceremony basically i produce the the big award ceremony once a year um i'm also a rep for kensington arts theater um so watch is a community theater organization um 30-ish companies now in the in the organization that in the dc metropolitan area and we're like a self-adjudicating body it's a little like helen hayes for community theater and so each company that that is a member provides some judges and the judges all get assigned randomly to see other companies shows and then we submit ballots and then we have an award ceremony in march and you're the the rep yep. for kensington how did you both get kind of involved with kensington we we i think it was kim was doing a show which which she was in I don't oh, remember exactly. We were looking for a community theater to get yeah. involved in, and Kensington was doing Into the Woods. I think Into the Woods is the first show we saw. I think that's the first there. one we saw. And yeah. we're both, I'm a huge Sondheim fanatic. There's That's a whole other story. So um, we wanted to see Into the Woods, and so we went to see this production. Diego was in it. Um, right, right. And our friend Kim Weaver, who actually works at Goddard as well, was in it. Uh, and... So yeah, we kind of got to know them, and then I worked on Closer Than Ever, was the first show I worked on there, and then we, we got Kiss of the Spider heavily Woman, involved. And, yeah, and then yeah, then we sort of got sucked in, and, yeah. and we were and, on their board for a while. Burned ourselves out a little bit by doing too much, but now was Kensington always in the in the same armory space? They were there when we hooked up with them, but they started out um, somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah the the but earlier as, history as far as we've ever been with them it was yeah. yeah so then we basically started to become involved uh with kensington through uh you asked me to perform at a gala i believe i think we i think we met you at a gala that 
had something to do with Caroline. I don't I don't remember all the details of it was so so long ago. I wasn't even I wasn't even talking about like when okay. we met because I can't even remember when we met. But I do think that Nevermore no, wait, was, was in Nevermore... 2007. Yeah. Like I said, we prepared notes. Yeah. So and, we did And when was when was dead? Yep. 12. Okay, well there might have been some sort of I think that Diego and Brad were doing some kind of gala yeah, for we cats. Did. We did fundraising galas yeah. every year for many years. Maybe you sang at one. Yeah, I remember I came and performed with like Wesley Woodley. Oh, okay. And I think that may have been Lisa. Um, yeah, that might have been. Anyway. Who knows? Yeah, so actually it started, but, I think we met you at some other fundraising gala thing that you sang at that had something to do with Caroline. And I talked to you afterward about One Red Flower. Remember that? Because yep. I wanted to do it at Kensington, um, which we actually did in 2009. What an ordeal that was. Mm -hmm. um, Saw it. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of, yeah. And then Nevermore in 2007 and then Night of the Living Dead in 12 is when we really got hooked in with you guys helping to produce that. I am holding up to the camera a magnet that has the logo um, the Bloody Hand logo uh, Yay, for Night of the Living Dead. Um, so that, mm -hmm. let's get into that. Um, first of all, uh, the first presentation of the show with an all-star cast, equity was actors and whatnot, um, was at Kensington in what, 2010? I, I believe so. That sounds about right. I um, it being about two years. With with yep, Kevin yep. McAllister uh, and Carissa Swanigan, Jillian Shelley, Lawler, um, Chris, Chris Sizemore, Chris Sizemore, yep. Chris Mueller, Danny, Danny David Stoller, and my father built these boarded up window things to go behind the performers to give some sense of set. And I had those for many years. I'm saddened that they didn't last. But... And me and Jenny Cartney played two keyboards. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And wow, that was our first show we wrote together. Um, there would be, you know, a couple more after that. Um, but Same plot. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're all comedies. <laughs> um, and so when we brought it to life at uh, Kensington in full production in 2012, um, Jenna and Kevin produced it uh, and worked on Ke Kevin did the lighting, which was gorgeous, um, the, the sound stuff, um, the uh, the sound stuff. I'm being so the sound stuff. You know, um, and and Jenna's uh, set, like the, I'm sorry, the props. The set was you as well, Decker. Kevin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. And you basically recreated a familiar house. Do you want to tell that story? Well, we, I did my best to make it look like our house. Um, mm -hmm. We lived at the time in a house that was built in 1920. And I just wanted it to look as much like, like Claire's house as I possibly could. And uh, we tried to envision as much of that as possible. The only, the only exception is kind of the basement. Well, the basement was pretty much like that basement yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but we, Taller. a lot of the props that we had, um, 
arrayed in the basement section of the set were um, dragged home from our place in Maine, where all the old stuff goes to die. <laughs> right. Rusty coffee cans and there's a dirt floor cellar under the under the house there, yeah. and just yeah, all kinds of old weird tools. That's right. You, that's right. You escaped to like a yes. secret yeah, island. Yeah, yes. Indian What's it island. called? Indian Island. Let's do a show there. <laughs> Everybody will have to get there by boat. Yep. Right. Um, but but the detail, the 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 uh, amount of love that went into that production, the uh, you know whether it's from the ironing board, the ironic, ironic board, board as we oh, call the ironic it. board, the smashed which, mirror, which hangs in my the, front uh, vestibule to this day. I love that. I love that. The, uh, of course, the famed um, yep, yep, music is, box. I, I have a whole display of props in my house. It's, it's there. I, I yeah, it, it was. So for the for our, you know, listeners who don't know, you know, how insane I am. Um, I created a set in miniature and directed scenes basically by taking photos of different arranged um, He-Man, G.I. Joe, and Barbies. We directed a lot of that show on, and, that, on that cardboard set. Yep. And I mean, complete with hung lights <laughs> and stuff to give different looks of like, this should be backlit, this should be frontlit. Um, I was in the basement, like losing my mind in the best possible of ways. Um, and to think back on it and to watch it, it still holds up wonderfully. I think it's, it was uh, really, uh, I, I mean, down to the front door with yep. those three yep. vertical that was windows. That a very specific image that I wanted, and we couldn't yeah. find the right door, so John made there be one. I loved that door. Oh, my it, God. It was when, when we could get it, Carissa it, to stop putting her hand through it. There's supposed to be glass in there. <laughs> that's right i forgot about that there was even um i mean the god the uh, the amount of love that went into that project the boards you know were put up on the windows that then had to be basically pushed out yep. by dowel rods by unseen zombies because the thing with the show is you didn't see the zombies um so when these boards just started flying into the living room, it was really like terrifying. And our little child, Maya, uh, who played, um, oh Karen. God. Karen? Karen? I can't you? believe I blanked on that. <laughs> who am I right now? Uh, who played Karen? Uh, she basically invisibly wandered through the house and was creepy as hell and the sweetest, most fun little child, but she was perfect for the part. So um, amazing. I will never, I, I was so amazed that she understood so well what we were working on doing, you know, that she was, she was the embodiment of death walking through the house, bringing death to everyone else over and over again. By the way, she's 18 now. I can't, I can't <laughs> with you. That's, that's no, that's not real. Man, uh, that, that hurt. <laughs> no, this can't be happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was such a, a wonderful, amazing time. Except for your and uh, except for my janky oh, toe, I broke three toes. 
um, and was walking around like some eccentric director with a cane. It was actually one of my most on-brand moments in my life, I feel. Was it during Whorehouse? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Broken toes. It was fun. Um, you should have stretched before you went out there. Stretching didn't have anything to do with it. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, the, the circle was complete. We kind of met and then created together. And um, I still watch that production pretty regularly. I still have the magnet and the framed poster in my house. I still have the blanket. I have all the, the things that, you know, I was allowed to keep. Oh, the blanket that Paul um, made. I'm like, what blanket? I yeah, have the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that the, I had the, the blanket flow that blanket, I made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, I can't thank you guys enough for that time um, that basically like started a, a fire of musical theater that we have started to write and never stopped ever since. Well, and uh, to just jump in here real quick, all of us know what, uh, what families, what, what, what families theater creates. And there's like a vulnerability and a nakedness that happens in the arts where you have to be uh, willing to, you know, dive off the, the cliff and say yes to a web series or whatever. And when you do that, you just have, I mean, there's no people like show people. Yeah. You should write a song. Wait, but no, it's so true because we, you know, we all know people who don't do shows and that's not a criticism that don't, but there is a family that is created um, forever when you do, when you really do bear your soul creating yeah, yeah, something, I, whether it be for space. I have a, I have a, an example that I, I should have mentioned earlier um, because uh, whose birthday it is today. So we needed in episode three of the web series of the web series. Going back to that again, um, the, the, there's a, there's a song in every episode. And in this one, it's a, it's a, it's a jazz torch, torch song, song kind of a thing. by a crazy mad scientist woman. So um, the, we had uh, a bass line and some finger snaps um, and we wanted uh, well, to I think we all wanted to have uh, some piano in there and maybe some drums. And Toby didn't want to write a piano line. So I called up Matt and he suggested that we talk to Warren Freeman, whose birthday it is today, I understand. And yes, so we asked him if he would do it. And we had uh, money uh, to a, pay a, a, a small amount of money to pay him. He is worth far more than we <laughs> paid him. Um, but he uh, uh, he came back with you know we sent him the, the video yeah and, we, and had, we had before you know cut together video um, to send to him so, so he, he just could had just to play along with the live that, track basically but but that meant that he could also use it as a, an opportunity for scoring so there's a couple of little uh, trills in there that that accentuate the action the in a way that is absolutely perfect for the comedy that's going on. So, um, and then he threw in the drums too. We were, we, you know, we mentioned we were maybe going to put some in and he, he just did some it. in too. Um, and they are also perfect. And it's, it's kind of amazing. And it really, really makes the song, it, you know, it didn't change the tempo of the song, but it seems just much more upbeat and, and grabs you better. And ah, it's just brilliant. Beautiful. So, so thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you. That's for what Warren does. That. He makes things. Well, as soon as Kevin explained what he wanted, I clearly knew it was time for me to leave the room. <laughs> and because because that's what Warren is in my life is, you know, I, me and Steven will, you know, put together sort of a, a outline, if you will, of a piece and then talk about the piece. And then I don't know how he does what he does, but um, he's quite the little genius Absolutely. when it comes to all that. Um, he's currently pursuing his wow. doctorate. Nice. It'll be Dr. Freeman That's soon. <clears throat> so I, I want to jump back oh, okay. to NASA real quick. <clears throat> so I guess for someone like me who really knows nothing about NASA, I just always think about like the space shuttle. Is there any, what, what are all the different facets of NASA? Um, we're talking about them. Do they, do they help to figure out a better like um, web um, thing with, you know, uh, getting better service in the nation with satellites? Is there, is, or is the focus just usually on getting to another planet outside the, the, of the So they Earth? don't do anything with, um, with like getting communication uh, communication satellites. That, that is a big commercial venture there's there's what what nasa's the idea behind nasa is to do things that that commercial people won't do because it's there's too no much money of a risk it. or there's no money in it at this point um and you know building the rockets in the first place uh back in the day was the government was pretty much the only only organization that that would take on that risk um, that's changing. That has changed now, you know, when with uh, SpaceX and and various other companies, um, uh, you know, SpaceX at the top end of, of, of mass that can be lifted to orbit and uh, companies like Rocket Lab, which make these very much smaller rockets, but they've launched a dozen of them so far and, and they're, they've almost all, uh, all like the first one maybe worked. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's, there's enough of a market now that they can do that. So they th that's become more of a commercial thing. And, and you know, when there's competition like that, it does tend to drive the prices down. And, and so the, the cost of getting to space has been greatly reduced. And, and the people at NASA who want to do science, who just want to get something up there, are very happy for that. Um, everybody wants to launch on a, on a Falcon 9 SpaceX uh, rocket because it's it's so cheap and it's and and it's you know for, for you you get this huge sorry you get this huge uh i was gesticulating too wildly and i ran into the music stand um you get a large space to, for to put your spacecraft and you don't have to make it like unfold once it gets up there you just make it full size put plop it in there and it still only costs 40 40 50 million or something to to launch whatever it is it seems seems like a lot but um, that's than it used to be. Uh, yeah, half what it used to be. But that's not, NASA doesn't only do get to outer space stuff. There is a whole um, contingent of folks at Goddard who are doing earth science research, working on dealing with forest fires, tracking forest fires and that sort of thing from satellites. Um, but that also involves doing launching things um, on earth stuff. So you have a satellite that can take pictures and you say, okay, that's a fire and that's a smoke and that's, but you need to sort of connect 
what you're seeing from up there with what's happening on the ground. So you know, you know, what spectrum means, what temperature of fire and, and so forth. So there's a lot of, you know, flying to remote places and doing that kind of work as well that the scientists do. Nice work, Matt. <laughs> who who was Robert Goddard? Goddard? Robert Goddard. He was a pioneer in rocketry. Um, uh, and I don't, I'm afraid, don't know the story of exactly, I don't know the history that well, but he, he made one of the first liquid-fueled rockets. Yeah, I think I read about him when doing research with Rene Klisch for On Air. Um, I don't think he ever saw his design for rockets take off in his lifetime, but the work he did helped to yeah. get it there. That's my understanding and memory. I think, Could I think be his, wrong? his rockets did actually fly. They got off the ground, but I, it certainly never got to you know uh, orbital kind of thing, or maybe not even very long shots. But but it was yeah, it was it was very pioneering and very important in getting things started. Now, I, one last question: Are there other Goddards kind of across the nation that are part of NASA as well, or is God, Goddard like no, the there's, mothership? There's there's lots. There's the mother, mothership is is downtown. It's headquarters. NASA headquarters is downtown DC. <laughs> That's where all the all the big wigs um, work. Um, but yeah, there's Goddard. Um, there's there's Huntsville in Alabama, um, uh, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to to name all to of name them. them and all. If there's anybody's Langley. listening in other centers, they're gonna be mad at me. Right. Cape Canaveral, yeah, Cape yeah, Canaveral, yeah, Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, where where a lot of the launches happen. There's and why why is that, Kevin? Why the tip of Florida to do launch? What's the what's the the perfect storm? That's, that's storm. Um, <laughs> well, it's other things too, though. It's no, it's safety it's, as it's, well. It, well, yeah, safety, is, safety and physics. But it, it's so you want to be close to the equator because the Earth, Earth is spinning, and so you at, at the equator it's moving at like a thousand miles an hour. So that's about one well some fraction. Of of the what you the speed you need to build up to get to orbit, so you if you if you're going in orbit in the same direction as the Earth is going around, you've got a boost there already. A little bit of a slingshot. So then then you want to be on so you want to launch east, which means you want to be somewhere where there's a large area to the east of you where if the thing blows up and falls down in flaming shrapnel, you don't kill anybody, and that's why you put it on the east coast, often of. Uh, because the ocean becomes the safety net. They they have an area where no ships are allowed, and they will actually cancel a launch if there are ships in the danger area. Interesting. Matt has kept saying throughout this vaccine rollout that he wishes that NASA was in charge of the vaccine rollout. Um, because if they can get you know this thing on Mars sending us like selfies and pictures but how many like years did that take? come on now there's a lot yeah. of bureaucracy to deal with getting anything to happen at nasa yeah it's it's not, probably not best for doing things fast yeah um but you know i'm pretty proud of uh the stuff we've done well you know as a kid i think i'm talking for every kid you you know like there's just such a fascination with you know space and just the unknown and the known and um it's just fascinating just even think how all of that just kind of happens and then also being always on the edge of like almost i, I guess every project is, is always on the edge of yeah. 
of that, catastrophe, really, really. That was one of the things that, that got me wanting to work there was reading, I think it was in Scientific American, the story of like Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 that, that many, many years ago, back in the 80s, started went to Jupiter, and then they decided to go on, I guess they were already going to go to Saturn, at least one of them. And then they decided they could, in fact, make it to uh, Uranus and Neptune. And the the things that went wrong with the spacecraft as it's moving along there and gears jamming up and having to rewrite code and send it up at the last minute was was kind of uh, amazing that they made it work. Wow. I was teaching a kid when they did the Mars thing and we were watching it on, you know, I, I guess they were probably in Houston or whatever, watching the workers there saying things like, you know, uh, scotch tape <laughs> yeah. over and the, the duct tape has now landed or whatever. And um, I was talking to one of my students, a, a kid, and she said, um, my uncle was in that room. He, he was a part of that team. And I said, well, can you get your <laughs> uncle to fix Texas? And and this was right when there was like, you know, right. what, like yeah. no electricity or something. <laughs> anyway. I, I always wanted, my dream when I was a kid was to work for oh, the yeah, NOAA, yeah. the National Oceanic <laughs> Atmospheric <clears throat> Association. Um, and didn't ever happen. But I, I'm always obsessed with science and, you know, of course, you know, my yeah. geek geekydom about weather and and space and, and everything everybody, and everybody likes yeah. to know things like you know what, what's out there where did we come from and so at some point i realized what i'm doing is i'm helping to tell stories that that make life more fun i mean i'm not i'm not building homes for people and and you know we're we're not saving lear the world learning about black holes isn't going to put food on anyone's table but it's it's like art. It's stories that that people want to hear, and in our case, the stories, as best we can tell, are true. Um, is is uh, how I look at it. Absolutely. Doesn't Goddard want us, the four of us, to put together a show about yes. space yeah. Yeah. for Absolutely. kids? There, there's that. a certain amount of of uh, money for outreach. Um, well, it would be COVID safe because you can go <laughs> inside a spacesuit. Um, now, Kevin, I think you might have touched some things or worked on some things, or is this all maybe mental calculations and math and physics to get things launched from, I think you've gone to like places like Japan and had s satellites yep, gone yep, to space. Uh, are, did you actually touch those things? Or are you the guy behind it doing the scribbling on the paper? I do with more scribbling of, uh, pencil. with pencils and sending emails, asking for stuff um, than you used than to. I, than I than I used to. Right. I, I, but even still, um, it, it, I do I do touch the the hardware from time to time. <laughs> he used he used to do a lot more of that. I I remember. I remember taking physics in high school and I realized that I probably have, should be doing nothing with physics. I never physics. physics, I would have flunked it. I, I remember one question, one, one, one question that was like, how much, I mean, this might be wrong, but I think it was like, how much warmer is the water at the bottom of a waterfall than on top or something? I was like, <laughs> who cares? Just jump, jump, there's a water, <laughs> yeah, abandoned ship. 
I was always fascinated with either the weather, space, or the ocean. Um, and like, what's at the bottom of the ocean? That's yeah. like the other outer space to me, except <laughs> a lot more shallow. Yeah, you know, it's, there, there's there's fun um, stuff down there too. I know. Um, well, uh, you know, not to I watched the Challenger um, series, but we did. Um, th there's a lot of correlation between the ocean and space and a lot of training that happens with that because of the, I guess, the experience of um, maybe no, no yeah, gravity yeah, or yeah. I don't know. And, and you're sort of cut off from all of air and things that you, mm -hmm. that you have you know, access to as much as you need in, in normal life. Let me tell you one thing. I, I think lots of crazy questions when I see people going up in rockets and think, now, what do they do for an hour if they in that thing and they got to go to the bathroom? Or what are they doing in space if someone all of a sudden has like an allergy attack? Or I guess they yeah, already know all that before they go they in space? Books and books, pages and pages of, of uh, things that, that have contingencies for anything like that. Yeah. Well, um, what what have you been doing in um, during the COVID? I know that everyone kind of like went to this phase of like learning things. Um, you know, I'm learning French. Oh, I learned how to to make bread. Did y'all go through like a, a, a let's learn something new or or? Well, I yeah. did do a little baking of bread. Um, the the funny thing about the baking thing is that. Um, it's not it's not like baking bread is hard so it's not really a whole lot of learning involved the problem with baking the reason we all took up baking bread now is because it takes a long time it, it you you have to you do a thing that's fairly simple and then you wait two hours and then you do another thing that's fairly simple and you wait another hour and then you put it in the oven and then you know right. so it takes half your day but it only takes half an hour it just broken up into tiny little chunks. And so it's a thing you can't do when you're going off to work because you can't come back and like shape your loaf of bread and then go back to work and let it rise again. But now I can, cause I'm working upstairs. So I, that's, that's why the bread thing happened. It's not because you have to learn how to do it. It's just because all of a sudden everybody had time because we were home all the time. Will, will your office remain at home when we can go back? Have we decided that maybe the, Home office is a, is a stay? Um, I doubt it. Um, Kevin could probably continue to work from home indefinitely. I have a feeling because I'm more of a service provider. Um, I basically, you know, Stephen said at the beginning on my official title is project support specialist, but I'm a secretary. Um, and I need to, like, they kind of have this mindset that secretaries need to be, like, present and available to help their customers. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. I suspect eventually, uh, I know a lot of the scientists don't like being by themselves at home because they can't collaborate with one another very effectively. Um, the scientists are used to being Wait. able to stroll down the hall to somebody else's office and say, hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think about this? And and like, oh. we have a question from Barbara oh, Bear yeah. that says, didn't Gilbert and Jaylee Mead work at NASA, they were big fear yes, supporters indeed. financially yep. and otherwise. Interesting. 
Yeah, and they sh they also were part of like the NASA yeah, players. Yeah, Wasn't yeah. there like there's, yeah, there, like you were talking about? Um, Goddard is a, a very large um, campus. Basically, there's like eight thousand plus people that work at Goddard, and they have a lot of social clubs that are kind of official Goddard clubs that can get a little bit of financial support to um, to do their things. And one of the social clubs at Goddard is called the Music and Drama Club. And they put on a couple of shows and they do a little winter holiday concert kind of a thing. And yeah. Uh, Jenna, I'm assuming that um, Goddard is pretty heavily oh, yeah. uh, under security, like not wanting like other countries to get memos and things, right? Yeah, interesting. And it does it become a competitive thing, I guess, with the world? Yeah, I guess it does. In, in, in some of. ways. I mean, we do a lot yeah. of, of Collaborating. Uh, collaboration with other countries. I mean, like, as you said, I, I worked with, uh, on, uh, with, the, with Japanese on a number of missions. Um, the one I'm working on now is actually an ESA mission that NASA is going to provide a number of parts to. ESA is the European Space Agency. Everything is acronyms at, at NASA, okay. and we say the, the acronyms like their words and just assume that Everybody people know what they are. Um. <laughs> yeah. I knew what it meant. I didn't. I was like, Alexa. There you go. <laughs> um, well, I think it's amazing that every time they show the International Space Station with like all of these people representing different countries and they're like, you know, up there doing amazing work. And I'm like, what the hell? What? How come everybody comes back down to Earth? Everyone's yeah. fighting over crap. I think we could learn a little from anyway that's probably for um so both of you we do a little thing we made a little wish box and we asked people to make a wish something that they, they wish could happen this started because of susan Derry's uh new album i wish it so that we're producing uh but we thought we just if if you had one wish and you each get one it's not like a couple wish um if you had one wish to change something or to improve something or um, just in general, I mean, whatever comes to your mind first. Um, if either one of you want to speak up, I'm going to write it down. Don't, so don't talk write, slow. Don't write right away. Because it's going in the well, wish I, box. I, I would wish that okay. Diego Prieto would win the publisher's clearinghouse. Yes. Oh my yeah. God! Did you listen to that? That was hysterical. Did we you, did you see that they the sent us cookies? Yet, but I saw that they sent you cookies. Oh my gosh! They sent us cookies, and I said, you know, basically live there on TV. I said, well, the only reason we asked Brad and Diego <laughs> on the, our show was to get these cookies. But but you know, he Kevin, that's he would, brilliant. I, I, and it's almost true you. because. I know he would do great things with with that with kind money, of money because yeah. he's such a beautiful person. Um, but but that's exactly yep, what yep. what so, Brad said but, in response. I mean, I, yes. So more generally than that I, is kind of the same kind of thing, right? I I want I would like people. I feel like in some ways we've maybe the country has hit rock bottom and and we're starting to recognize that we need to to fix some of the structural things that are wrong. And, and I, I wish that we will continue. I mean, I think we've started to do that in, in quite a few ways. And if we can continue and keep that going, that would be great. I am writing that down. Yay. I am looming. 
I'm looming away. There's a long delay. I know. Here there's we the, have the Facebook live feed up, but it's a, a long delay. Well, um, just keep holding that up there, and I am. There I'm it doing, is. I'm like I'm in the ensemble. Nice. Merely be Yeah, it's gorgeous. Isn't that pretty? <laughs> it looks like an Easter egg. Oh yeah. The hard part is getting it out <laughs> of the loom. Well. Kevin doesn't know this yet, but we're working to raise money and shoot <laughs> this thing into space. Okay. <clears throat> the, the first, the first weave, loom weave in space. It's really would be the first potholder, but probably not. It's probably been other potholders. I saw when they shot Pizza up on the Challenger special. I think it was. I think it was Pizza Hut. That's a yeah. very far delivery, isn't it? Well. I don't know. I mean, I guess you heat it up in the ISS green room. It's yeah. a green room. Yeah, there's a green room. <laughs> All right, Jenna, my what is, is your is wish? My nothing love? to do with the pandemic. I wish um, leaf blowers would cease to exist. I hate them. They're Interesting. so loud and so dumb. <laughs> this is, this is, this. So far, it's like <laughs> one of my favorites because who would ever have thought that, that I, I someone posted something that. about it on Facebook not long ago, um, and lots of people agreed with me. Like, I was like, I'm gonna go sit out on the deck and relax. And my stupid neighbor turned on his leaf blower. I was like, seriously, seriously, right now? <sighs> I love it. I love it. Maybe we can invent the quiet. <laughs> The quiet blower. <laughs> I don't even want to touch that on the ten foot pole. The, um, the quiet blower. It's, it's also a European film. Uh, European in quotes. In, in quotes yes. That's what they're calling it now, is it? Yeah, I, I feel like it's a yes. John Waters film that was never released. Um, so, have you guys I had your shots yet? At least Johnson. one. Or? Goddard got um, 400 doses for their 8,000 plus employees, and they kind of did a first come, first serve sign up thing. And like they they were super excited about it. They sent an email. They sent a text message, and then they saying that like there was a big announcement coming about vaccines. And then they sent an email to say they'd gotten 400 doses. And later today, we're going to send out a sign up um, thing. So be prepared. And then they sent a text message in the afternoon that said, okay, here comes the email. <laughs> so I was like quivering over my keyboard waiting for this email to come so I could sign up. And um, I managed to type in the information fast enough to get an appointment, but Kevin did not. So I got my Johnson and John Johnson shot on uh, Thursday. So I'm one and done. I'm vaccinated now. Kevin is going tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow at uh, 1230. I'm, I'm going to Greenbelt Metro to get the... Uh... Uh, Pfizer. Pfizer. So hell. We had the Pfizer a couple weeks back. We actually we get our Yay. second dose. We can get uh, together soon. Yeah, and I. Yay! And I thought to myself, why didn't I think to sort of start marketing <laughs> a Fauci Band-Aid? Yeah. yeah. For your Fauci ouchie. For your Fauci ouchie, you get the Fauci Band-Aid. When... But I'm sure I wouldn't get the right. So. Well, I mean. He would yes, probably exactly. love it, but also Last want to fall cut it. when Kevin went to get his flu shot, the Band-Aid that they gave him said flu fighter, which I thought was fun. <laughs> That's funny. Instead of foo yeah. fighter. Instead of the foo yeah. fighter. Get it? I love it. I have a feeling we might be in for a lot of flu, <laughs> flu fighters coming soon. 
Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, um, thank you guys so much for joining us. We love you I so know. much. Oh my gosh, it's been an hour and four minutes. And we could go on longer, but um, but but let's let's yes. get Have together when we're to fully vaccinated. Um, yeah, okay. Okay, right. Yeah, yes. we came. We, we No. Yes, yes, we came because we got our okay. eclipse glasses, remember? No, you no that was the old house, house, wasn't it? No. It broke no. my heart, but. No, no, we've been because you gave me that um, yes. spear that we used in which, right? Because right. I saw it and was like, I need to have that. Because that's the person I am. <laughs> I come to your house and say, Give me that. We're fresh out yeah. of trumpets, and those are the kind of friends you are. That you're like, Take it, trumpets, horn spears. It's going to be used for art, know? absolutely. Yep. Um, but look, yes. It was used for art, and now it's like behind my front door in case there's a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. So it's right. like my weapon. And you have you have an ironing board prepared yeah. too, right? Yeah, I mean, because they knock. <laughs> right. Right. Because yep. the zombie's going to knock. And he wouldn't. Right. That's how they it would works. definitely not know how to knock an ironing um, board off the window. Absolutely not. They'd be too confused by it. Um, but let's stay in touch uh, beyond podcast world, and let's. Uh, just check in with each other in the next few weeks. And boy, it's getting nice Indeed. enough to sit out yeah, on a deck and have a libation together. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Um, right. We will talk Love to you guys, you guys soon. Bye. Thank you so much. Um, hello, Byron. What do you have to say to the listeners? Nothing. He just sniffed the microphone. Okay. Well, and Eddie, um, Spaghetti, do you have anything to say? Just sniffing the microphone. Okay. Well, um, that was uh, such a fun time. They're such an amazing couple. Absolutely. I love people with commas. I love people with commas as well. And your your weaving loom looks beautiful. Yeah, I, I did something a little different than last night, and I'm going to try to finish it up here and see if it is perfection. I'm going to enter it into a looming contest. I see success looming on your horizon. Something is definitely looming. Okay. Um, so, thanks again. Uh, I will never forget uh, the trust that Jenna and Kevin had in producing... Um, you know, Nevermore and Night of the Living Dead at Kensington and that takes like a big leap of faith uh, to put your belief and your time and your work and your money behind that and we will never forget that experience and are forever grateful for that um, and so that's that's a very special memory and place in our hearts um, and so yeah we, we can't wait to hang out with them in person and just be vaccinated, you know? So, tomorrow, what are we doing? Tomorrow, we're going to talk to the Nomad Dancers. Correct. And we're going to learn who and what and everything Nomad Dancers. Yes, they have performed across the world and at the Kennedy Center and different places. Um, I think at the White House, even. Uh, so, And they're our neighbors. So, very fun fact. We just, We found them rehearsing in the alley behind their uh, backyard and we're like who are you we need to know who you are now um, so we'll be talking to them tomorrow night 
And until then, as we always say, turn your heart into art. Have a good night, everybody. Night.